This episode was originally a live stream on YouTube. It has been edited down for the purposes of the podcast, in good faith. So both Pastor Michael and I have had comments edited out, and the speakers in the TGC good faith debates have been edited down. This is not originally what they said. You can watch us watch the entirety of their opening statement and everything they say, mystery theater 3000 style on YouTube. However, for the sake of this podcast, we have edited it down and it is already still very long. So we did it in good faith. This is fair use. I just wanted to make it clear. You can find the whole thing on a live stream if you are so inclined. Otherwise, let's get to the show. This is Restless. Pastor Michael, we are trying to play our music live, and it is slowing down and trying to keep with us. I am your host, Matt Klein. I am joined by Pastor Michael Bowman, and we are here for a restless live stream party. Pastor Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm trying to invite all the friends we can, get in the Telegram chat for our patrons, getting it out on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever I can, make sure people know it's happening. It's happening right now. Here we are. We finally made it. It is happening right now. We have finally made it to this moment. You know, this show might, maybe, is Restless new and improved now that the Restless show is hosted by Pastor Michael Bowman and an ordained missional church, PCA church planter? Um, is that what, is that your new title? We're going to introduce you every time as ordained missional church planner, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Matt is ordained everyone. That's right. Yeah. Praise the Lord. He was ordained just last night, um, yesterday afternoon recording. Yeah. Uh, It wasn't really, it wasn't really night, I guess, but, um, yeah, that was, uh, that happened. So let me just go ahead and say, uh, one important thing, this live stream is brought to you by who the restless patrons so uh we are excited for all of you joining us here on our first watch party but pastor michael if they join the patreon there is all kinds of good stuff going so on much more. especially at this point i don't even know if i'm honest um how long we've had the patreon going uh yeah. i don't think it's quite been a year right not quite maybe right. uh but we have, I mean, we've got uh, just a a plethora, shall we say, of of content behind that paywall, um, and at all different levels, right? So we've got all kinds right. of different things uh, that people can sign up for. Um, it, it is at this point, if you join now, you have so much backlog material that That's you right. have access to um, that it's going to take you quite a while, I think, to get through it all. And, and there's more being made every week. That's right. Because especially for me, having signed up for um, Patreons in the past, for me, it's just, it for me is just so important because almost every time I've ever quit a Patreon, it's because the content there went dormant. And so yeah. we have sought to make sure that our Patreon will always be up to date, always be with new content every week and 
the truth is, I'm sure for most people, we hope to keep it at a level where it's hard for you to keep up with. Um, and so there's lots of great stuff. We do lots of Driscoll reactions there. Uh, we have we talk about all kinds of things that uh, maybe don't come up in our show as normal. And so we um, we are giving away a gift basket to one YouTube subscriber and one of our wonderful patrons. Uh, randomly chosen uh, winner of the Restless Basket Swag. I don't know what we want to call it. The gift basket the from gift basket. us of Restless Swag uh, is Jeffrey D. Lambin. So, Excellent. Jeffrey, it that's, that is... Uh, going to be coming your way we'll get uh details and be able to uh, uh get your info um guys jeffrey is uh, this this is not to shame you jeffrey but uh you know he's just a he's just the the mars hill member the the wow. first layer of the patron first subscriber tier. and just for that he's going to win uh, a basket full of restless merch it may not be did we say it's going to be a literal basket i don't know that it will be we, we did we we said it it would unlikely come in an actual basket due right. to he's shipping. Um, but it will come with a handwritten things. note from us. Uh, it'll come with a handwritten note, um, maybe a helpful book, maybe one of my YRR books that I still have sitting on a shelf. Maybe I'll <laughs> sign it for you. Uh, we don't know. We'll find some fun stuff to put in there. So let's find out the YouTube, uh, the YouTube subscriber. Now, if this person who's a YouTube subscriber doesn't claim this, the next time we do this, we will pull again um but we've got uh samuel mooring i might be saying that wrong mooring uh or or may ring maybe but uh m-o-e-h-r-i-n-g samuel you are the winner so hopefully you see this and you find it at some point um and we will try to get in touch with everybody please reach out to us if we yep. said your name so uh jeffrey or jeff and and samuel please uh reach out to us get us your your mailing address so that we can get things out to you. So Pastor Michael, it is time for us to begin to discuss TGC's good faith baits. How long have we been saying we're going to do this? It's we, been a while. we did the trailer on this episode for a long, a long time ago. And here's the deal. Um, it is, I was thinking about this today that it's actually a very interesting idea. Obviously it's interesting that TGC is going to be the one to teach us to disagree but I think one thing we need to do as we come to these different videos is we need to decide what kind of disagreement we're talking about. Because I realize there's all kinds of disagreements amongst Christians today. Pastor Michael and I, um, you know, maybe we disagree about our preferred place of living. Perhaps as we start this live stream, you disagree with me on what we should all raise a glass to this live stream, what what your Christian liberty encourages you to bring to the live stream. Now, and so there are disagreements where there are right and wrong answers. There's, there's disagreements of preference. There's and, and I do think we need to work hard to frame. There's also areas where you might be right and someone might be wrong, but it's actually not a matter of faith. And so... I think it's actually very interesting to think about. It's actually a little bit difficult to just on a on a straight, you know, we have to have a good faith debate. Well, what do we do, right? And 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 how does what what about the debate requires anything to be gospel centered? Um, if 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 we're told as we watch the debate that that's important. So, 
Pastor Michael, because this is a long video, we have determined that um, we are going to do our best to pause at where the speakers have breaks because otherwise no one will ever get to see the end of this video right. and we will never see the end of it. We also do. <laughs> we don't promise necessarily that we will are guaranteed to finish this um, tonight, but that is the goal. And we are going to, we are going to work hard at it. Um, it's just, you guys know, I mean, you guys know what we end up doing. We will listen to a 30 second Mark Driscoll clip and talk for an hour about, you know, um, how people should deal with controlling parents. <laughs> so that's right. And so I know, um, I know, uh, what everyone wants is, um, the, everyone wants us to, to make our Jim Halpert little comments and we will probably, we will certainly be doing those. We hope someone in the chat will be able to tell us if you can hear our very short comments while they're speaking, if, uh, if one is called for. So there you go. Pop right. your popcorn. Well, we found we're, so we're, we're obviously new to live streaming in a lot of ways. We've done a couple of these, but what we found is sometimes we do when we talk over the video, you can't really hear the video. And so we want to be able to hear it while at the same time being able to make little bits of comments here and there. So, so, um, so anyways, so pop your popcorn, pour whatever your Christian Liberty allows into a glass, um, pause the office super fan episodes for tonight and settle in for a very good faith, very charitable review of TGC's woke church good faith debates. Here we go. Oh, it's already brutal. <laughs> <laughs> they want you to know how they want you to know how much is going on behind the scenes to make this possible. Okay, so here's a question. Is a woke church a stepping stone to theological? So allow me to begin by doing what I do best, embarrassing myself. I'm being completely serious when I say that I have no idea why I'm here. I've not written extensively on the subject of wokeness. I'm not part of any organization fighting on the front lines of the woke wars. I'm not in any Twitter spats or Facebook beefs over this stuff because I'm not on Twitter or Facebook. Moreover, I'm not a subject matter expert in the field of critical theory, which I'm just gonna be using synonymously with wokeness. I'm not a subject matter expert in any field related to any kind of critical studies. This and guy's working you, hard to make really us know he does not belong to be in this debate. All. I don't have a PhD, <laughs> unlike my uh, interlocutor here who has a PhD from Cambridge, which is in England. Uh, I don't have a seminary degree. Geography. I don't have a Bible college degree. I don't have a high school diploma. But I am a pastor, which means that I've had to reckon with this. I've had to think through it. I ha I've had to think about how the gospel applies to this stuff in my local church. Is woke church a stepping stone to theological compromise? Well, friends, I think it just defines on how you define woke. So let me begin by giving a definition of wokeness, but let me begin with a stuffy, technical, academic definition. And then after that, we'll go to a more boots on the ground definition. Stuffy academic definition, here we go. Wokeness 
is a product of a bunch of failed Marxists trying to bring the Hegelian dialectic back to life by fusing it with all kinds of bad stuff like Freudian psychology, Gramscian philosophy, postmodern epistemology, black fem feminism, and intersectionality. But here's the deal. Those backwaters trickle down into our everyday lives. So friend, you may never hear the term hegemonic power structure or standpoint epistemology. You may never sit in on a class where they teach gender bending. But if I had to guess, I'd say you might see a TikTok video with a man dressed as a unicorn professing to be a pansexual a dual gender would vampire. say we play a drinking game and, and drink every time he the uses words no one knows how to define has except been influenced by a manifestation of wokeness known as queer theory, theory which says that any attempt to try to define norm in relation to sexuality in terms of binary such as male or female masculine or feminine straight or gay any kind of doing anything like that is an act of oppression well, let's get to more boots on the ground examples of wokeness. Let's try to define it by exploring it. A wokeness sounds like somebody saying, my pronouns are Z, Zim, Zer. <laughs> wokeness says that if you disagree with my opinion, you're trying to erase my identity. Wokeness says that silence equals violence. Wokeness looks like self-imposed black we are six segregation minutes in on waiting for campuses. a definition. Wokeness says that data and statistics are nothing more than white Western forms of discourse used to maintain elite power structures. Wokeness says that landmark civil rights cases like Brown v. Board of Education are really just sophisticated acts of white supremacy because of the doctrine of interest convergence. But that doesn't mean that right. you haven't perhaps already been influenced. Fam, he has about unwitting. five minutes left in his opening it's statement. It's entirely possible that the way that you've come to think about race, for example, has already been influenced for the worse by people you've never heard of, writing books and papers that you'll probably never read, talking about subjects and using words that you're unfamiliar with. But their ideas have been simplified, distilled, popularized, repackaged, and distributed to the masses like you and me, laymen. The same thing, of course, could be said of the way that you've come to think about gender, sexuality, identity, climate change, health, math, science, philosophy, education, communication, and even the gospel. So, will woke church lead to theological compromise? Well, friends, my fear is that it already has in ways that many of us can't see and won't see until the damage has already been done. My fear is that many in the church have already been taken captive by what scripture calls philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So that is our, we have learned, Pastor Michael, we, we can obviously be, uh, be honest with where we are coming into this debate. That was our champion. No doubt. <laughs> right. In the He's, whether or not we'll always like how he fights, that's evidently our guy in the fight. <laughs> that, that's in right. good so, faith. In good faith. In good faith. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. in good faith. Um, now, we have to um, we have to talk about this. Um, I, yeah, I think that, man, it's, it's going to be rough. It is going to be a rough, it's going to be a rough 
ride, I think. What do you think, Pastor Michael? How would you rate? So this guy is the guy from at least Ben in. I think he's some of the uh, I think he's one of the producers of the American Gospels. Right. So oh, really movies that have been very helpful to lots of people. Yep. So no, uh, no shade on any of that. Um, but anyway, so that's where that's where he's coming from. So thankful for his attempted at discernment. And um, I will when we get there, I will say the thing that I think he did the best in his opening, um, even though I think there are uh, probably a number of things we would probably do differently. But that's why we are in the faith arena. And we are two guys watching them on YouTube with our uh, with our 20 friends. So, Pastor Michael, um, what what are things that stuck out to you as he began? Uh, when you start to try to completely define what everybody means by woke or what we're talking about, sure. right? What We all know what we're talking about, um, but it would be hard to, in a succinct way, combine it all right put it yeah. all together uh and so i don't i don't know that that is um necessarily the worst especially when he said you know he he said you know even if you can't define it you see what it's doing right. in your church in your relationships you like you know what that's like and i think most people do i mean i think most people do recognize wow yeah i have people in my family or people that used to go to my church that literally don't like talk to me now because I voted for Donald Trump or I whatever. Um, and because that makes me a racist or, or because I won't accept something about uh, the, the way I'm supposed to, to use pronoun hospitality or, or something like that. Right. Like it, it is true that many of these different things that are quite different, right. Yep. That they are, they are very different ideas, but because of intersectionality, They've all been kind of conglomerated uh, right. so that they can be used more more potently as a political agenda. But but yeah, so I don't I don't know that that's totally wrong. I will admit, anytime somebody begins, this is common of pastors, right? So he's a pastor. He probably just learned to do this by watching everybody else. But every time a pastor or anybody starts a a debate, or this could be in sermons too, with Hey, I'm not the right guy to be talking about this. It's just not the rhetorical move that you think it is. You think that what you're doing is portraying humility, but what you're really doing is starting by saying, nobody should listen to me. And when you say that, most people won't. I mean, most people are just not going to. And then when somebody like you've mentioned with a PhD from Cambridge stands up and says, well, here's the truth about it. They're going to say, well, that person just told me what the truth is. So right. I'm going to listen to them rather than the guy who said, please don't listen to me. I have no expertise. I have no like there's no reason you should listen to me. And pastors I was... do this when they say, you know, oh, I'm the worst at this. I'm the yep. biggest sinner in the world. Nobody should be following me or listening to me. And I give like and I don't I'm not going to put this on Sean Morris. I have certainly done this in the past. And can I give you, uh, let me give you a slight self-confession here. Do you know what I think a lot of it often is motivated by? And this is going to sound crazy. It's pride. Why? Yeah. Because I, I expect I can be like, oh, I'm the worst. I'm not good. And then it allow, and it makes me feel like I'm going to impress you even more when you do listen to me. When you are impressed, you're like, wow, this guy said he's like, he's at his worst. And he just blew me away. That must make him all, like it's this it's, you know, it's uh, I, I think it's 
often uh, not a good move. I will say I agree with you. I do think um, whether or not we should have spent um, five minutes listing every big word in the world uh, to try and kick this video off. I do think there is a way where um, telling people in the audience, even if you don't have a definition, um, you know exactly what this looks yes. like. It connects, it connects with the man on the street, right? Because how many people yep. who are just like a regular guy, right? Like I'm just, I'm just a plumber. I just work construction. And then this like uh, college educated, you know, young person is screaming at me for some reason about how I don't understand these things. Uh, like you see it's fruit and you know, it's wicked, you know, it's wrong. And then when they say, oh, well, then define wokeness. Oh, you didn't say anything about, you know, right. all of these, you know, various ways I could take it. Well, like in that case, it does, I think, appeal to the man on the street kind of view. And it does hopefully um, avoid the 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 actual defense that I think someone in this debate would make is, no, that's an abuse of it. That's not what it really is. Right. Whatever. Um, all right, let me say the thing I think he did best in this um, uh, in this debate, which probably um, gets to a thing that we will likely point out again and again in these videos. So he he makes this statement. He said, this doesn't lead to compromise. It's we have already compromised and it's ubiquitous. Um, it's taking people captive. He calls it a false religion. Yep. And here's what I think is why that is so important. It is the clear evidence to me and, and why when it's saying is wokeness the road to theological compromise or is it a stepping stone? I guess we'll hear what that means in the next one. What we've just learned by him, he he's actually not answering the debate question. Yep. What he's doing is he's answering the actual question. That's right. Because the actual question isn't will this lead to compromise that's not what anyone probably in our chat is wondering all of our position is this is the compromise this is the worst this is the social gospel um part two electric boogaloo right this is we're already there <laughs> right and, like, <laughs> this, is, this is it um and so by framing the question the way they did they have they have actually disallowed that answer because right we could say is a certain method, as I think about the church planting world, is a certain method in church planting, could that lead a congregation to compromise down the road? I'm saying, when I say that, I'm saying, well, people who do that today aren't necessarily enemies. They aren't necessarily already compromised, right? They haven't thought this through. This could cause problems. That's not the debate. Um, now, I don't know what we're going to be told when we're told it's a, could be a stepping stone to something. Um, and, and, you know, I'll let that person speak for themselves. They have, a, you know, they've got a degree from Cambridge. Um, they'll they should be quite capable. Um, that's that's not the uh, the d the debate either. Right. It is not like using this language. We can reach people, which I'm going to guess is what we mean by stepping stone could be wrong. We'll find out in a minute. They're saying to uphold the righteous commands of Christ, you have to use someone's pronouns. You have to um, be aware of racism in every aspect of the church, right? That's their statement. This isn't a, 
this isn't a can you craft an evangelism talk around people's deep sense of injustice in the banking system. Right. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. And everybody knows that. We all know that. Right. 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 Think about anybody that you've ever had a conversation with who has gone down this road. Right. Every single time it is you're not doing enough. Right. And sometimes it's we. Right. We're not doing enough. But what they mean is you're not doing enough. You need to be an activist. If you're not an activist, so it's it's putting these burdens upon somebody, right? It's it's requiring something of them. It's not just saying, like you're saying, hey, this can be one flavor of how we present the gospel or one one community of people that we reach out to. No, it is, as he said here, it is a totalizing worldview. It's going to be the lens through which you see everything. And in that way, it is a religion in and of itself. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Let's. Let's pull up this next. Um, let's pull up this next opening statement. Let's find out if she begins by talking about how she is not qualified to give an opening statement. <laughs> Thank you. PhDs don't usually do that, by the way. <laughs> Our question today is: Is wokeness a stepping stone to theological compromise? But before I address that question, I want to ask another one. Are drugs bad for you? The question behind the question. I could spend the next 10 minutes presenting a very compelling case that drugs are killing people in America every day. They are breaking down families. They are ravaging mental health. Drugs are extremely bad for you. But at the end of that 10 minutes, my guess is that somebody would stand up and say, right now, I'm taking drugs for my heart condition. And my doctors say that if I stop taking them, I'll be dead within a week. We cannot address this question if we do not carefully define Pastor Michael, what we mean by the word is coming at you. Are And in many of our conversations today, I want to propose that we do three things as we step into this conversation. First, we must define. Second, we must repent. And third, we must believe. So first, we must define. Now, Sean offered us one definition of wokeness. That various definitions of wokeness that exist on, on one side of a conversation was originally used to mean being awake, aware of, alive to the history of racial injustice in this country. And I want to say when it comes to that definition, God have mercy on us if we are not woke. God have mercy on us if we are not aware of, alive to the history of racial oppression in this country. When I was in seminary, one of my professors said that as we look back over the last 2,000 years is of Christianity, is it? Or and as we look at every just, potential heresy that has me. come to the church, what we'll notice is that theologians Pastor have had Michael to just carefully distinguish alert, between two things that look quite similar or are spoken of in similar ways. And as we enter these conversations, we must define what we mean. And almost more importantly, we must ask other people what they mean. Instead, we must do each other the courtesy of allowing brothers and sisters to define what they mean and not to swing a club at them, um, sadly often the club of, of critical race theory, to silence or discredit any legitimate critique that we might be hearing. My second point is that we must repent. And when I say we here, 
I'm speaking as a white evangelical. But I believe that if we look at the, the history of our forebears in the church, a history of explicit racial prejudice and discrimination built into our legal systems. And, and most tragically, we will find a history of white Christians who look and sound like me being deeply complicit in this. Now you might say, well, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there when people from my country, the United Kingdom, were transporting millions of enslaved people from America, I wasn't there. You might say, I, I wasn't there during the period of Jim Crow laws and segregation. You might say, I, I wasn't there when thousands of black Americans were being lynched and God have mercy on us if we do not repent. Third, now Sean very helpfully pointed out to us that for, for many people today, this idea of wokeness is, is not just a conversation about racial justice, but is a conversation in which questions of same-sex sexuality and gender identity have been all mixed together. And when it, it, it comes to these conversations, one of the most powerful arguments that our, our progressive friends might make something like this. Just like you white Christians used your Bibles to defend segregation schools in the 60s, so now you're using your Bibles to oppose gay marriage and transgender identities for believers. When we look at the scriptures, we find that as clearly and firmly as the Bible calls us toward racial justice, integration and equality, she is so it going calls to us be away from giving a shorter opening, transgender identity. Definitely this conclusion is not one I've And it will lead us to believe what the Bible says. It will not fit us into any neat political categories. It will not lead us to feel comfortable around folks who have traditionally defined themselves as conservative or as progressive but it will bring us into a place where we can actually learn from what the scriptures are telling us. But if we are followers of Jesus today, we must do those two things. As I look back at the, the history of Christian complicity and racism in America. I got some notes here. Pastor I'm reminded of, of Jesus's words to the church on last year. Oh boy. You say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And what is the prescription that Jesus, the great physician, gives to those people in Laodicea and gives to us today? To be earnest and repent. For the message of the gospel to go out today, we don't need to defend our record. We need to hold out the beauty of our savior. And if we don't define work carefully, if we close down conversations about race, if we act like there was a once upon a time when this was a Christian country living according to Christian ethics and everything has gone horribly wrong since then, we're going to be making the same level of life-threatening mistakes as if we failed to distinguish between heart medication and cocaine. All right, Pastor Michael. Yay, nay, or nuance. It's hard to tell the difference on if you should take cocaine or heart medication. <laughs> hey, cocaine used to be put into, uh, you know, Coca Cola. Uh, Coca Cola, right? So, um, 
that uh wow um i don't know so, where you want to start i guess man um Again, let me let me start. Let me get this with super clean audio so this can be clipped so that I'm on record. If you are going to say the application of this debate is to define, repent, and believe, you have just defined my duty as a Christian. You have just described something that is of the essence of salvation. Right. Yeah, this is so this is what's what differentiates Christians from non-Christians, in other words. Um, like what you have just set up is a dichotomy where if you are not with her, then you are not a Christian, or at least you are, you cannot call yourself a Christian long, right? Because the Lord is going to spit you out. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's where we're at. So, so also pastor Michael, I, I, the, the chat has said this, um, can we agree? She gave a more compelling presentation than our, than our, our, our everyday uh champion our every man champion so um i in in some ways for sure right in some ways for sure it was much more i don't know um to the point it seemed um what i don't i don't necessarily want to say that it is more compelling because i think if you are a person of of i don't know how to say this and not just get in trouble so but if you're a person of some intellect um, if you're a person that is not just easily swayed by sad stories and emotional appeals, which admittedly is almost nobody. I mean, that's that's a very few people. Um, sure. But if you are just a normal person, yeah, like you're going to be really swayed by the emotional appeals that were made. Um, also, the accent. I mean, it just you just got that going for you. You sound better. Um, you just happen to sound better. And. So it's going to uh, naturally sway us, but particularly when she's hammering home these, it's not just emotional appeal. Generally it is, let me tell you this story, right? Think about this little girl mm. and how she's praying for these people that hate her because she's a true Christian. Right. Um, and these other people that clearly evidently were, you know, um, also professed to be Christians, according to the story, uh, like they obviously were not. Right. Right. And so it gets you it gets you into that place. Right. Uh, the. It does not take long, though, if if you're able to spot those things and if you've been taught any kind of discernment, uh, it doesn't take long to just spot the whole of conflating. This individual story with everything that we're talking about now. I yeah, right. I think what I when I feel like it's more compelling, I think it's it's a presentation that says here to play for keeps. I'm here to win. I'm here to tell you change and do something else that that structure is just inherently uh, more compelling of, of a kind of a structure. So, so the first thing I just want to, there's a few, again, I have a few notes um, that I think will hopefully be helpful. First, she says um, the, we need to let our brothers and sisters, our African-American brothers and sisters define what it means to be woke. Um, and she then makes the comment of we're not, you know, they get, they get labeled, they get thrown at this label at them with, Oh, they're just using critical race theory. Um, again, do I think it is, of course, I don't think it's appropriate to any time a, a Christian will just speak. I'm speaking specifically of America because obviously they are too, you know, again, thanks Brits for coming over here to tell us 
tell us about what we need to do in America um, is whenever they would make a claim of racism, obviously it would be inappropriate to say, oh, you're just talking about critical race theory. Obviously right. that would be inappropriate. Um, that would be very dismissive. But the people in this specific debate, not talking about their experience, critical race theory is viewed as a positive. Yep. It's viewed, it's not viewed as like, how dare you label me with that? It's viewed as this is, this is like, this is an element of what it means to understand the world in a right way. Right. It, I mean, it's literally just what it's called across the board, right? And and admittedly, it does seem to me anyway that um, at least in the church, uh, the push against you know CRT, right? It has the the propaganda war. I think has moved in a certain way, at least amongst again. This is I'm speaking from my experience, particularly in the church. Um, it has played into a, a more conservative hand. As mm -hmm. far as the again the propaganda war goes, like the the like to use that phrase to mean something negative, it now carries somewhat of a negative connotation in the right. church. But yeah. there's that's not true generally speaking, right? And, and this is what I think is telling. This is maybe the other one of the other big things. Um, and I'd like to hear your comment to, to find out if you agree with me, Pastor Michael. When they, when she has to, in this debate, say things like, we are not talking about critical race theory. When wokeness gets mixed up with same-sex attraction and race and all these things together, you know, we're just letting all of these, you know, all of these things confuse the issue. I think what she's admitting, though she won't say it because I think she's a skilled debater, they already lost this debate. This, because the, if something gets, right, again, doctor... Old Hallelujah, Eric Mason wrote a book called Woke Church, and that was viewed as like a very positive thing. There's nobody who wants that kind of title. And Pastor Michael and, have and I have decided that as a follow up, we will be reading and reviewing Ligon Duncan's forward to that book another time because we we just don't want any friends left other than the people <laughs> on this live stream. Um that at that point when that was written, I don't know, seven years ago or whatever, that was viewed as like a neutral term. Critical race theory um, was like these were neutral. And so even this idea that it's a stepping stone to help us talk to others, that they will understand like that we care or whatever. I think it's already gone. I think that that train has already left the station and that debate on an upper on the kind of upper level is already lost. Yeah, it's already all connected. And it has been for a long time, right? I mean, it was it was always moving in that direction. Um, the the ideas of critical theory was always it was always including all of this, right? And and so maybe you use the term woke in a different way. And you know what she's saying, if we were actually talking about, hey, just a person to person on the street. Yeah. Right. I just meet somebody and they say, yeah, I'd consider myself pretty woke. Yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, now I hate you. Um, right. I am going to say, oh, what do you mean by that? Right. You know, um, I will admittedly, I'm going to at least start with some skepticism. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to start with some, you know, I don't know where this is going to go now. Uh, but I like I have no problem just asking somebody, OK, what do you mean by that? And when That's they say right. something like, well, I really um, despise these extreme cases that I'm going to name for you from history, 
when right. uh, people were in some way harmed simply because of the color of their skin. Yeah. And I will say, oh yeah, I like, I, me too. Like I agree with that. That is, yeah, that was wicked. Right. Uh, that was wicked that that happened. Okay. And, 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 and that's it. We're just in right. agreement, right? Where you can all right. go home, sing Kumbaya. Uh, but right. we all know that that is really not what we're talking about at all. Right. Because you stop the next sentence they're going to say does include the name Donald Trump, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> here, here is actually the sign there is, I think, I think here's the real shell game that's often played with wokeness. And this is the shell game she played. She listed a number of, just as you said, Pastor Michael, crimes, sins, um, um, horrific violence and injustice done in the Amer name of the American slave trade, uh, things Christians, uh, professed Christians were involved in, you know, whatever, right? Um, what, what the people, the shell game they want to play is we have to be willing to address those things and say they are wrong. That is actually a true statement. If there is an actual crime, sin, injustice done, we should be willing to say that was wrong. But and the shell condemn those yes. who said, no, we're doing this in the name of Christ. We're doing this That's in the right. name of the scripture, right? Yeah, no, we, we should be able to call that out. We we should. And the shell game is saying, and that's what wokeness is. That's the shell game. Yep. Saying something, they say, well, being woke is being willing to say something is unjust. No. Here's and the Trojan fact, horse, you know, this is, pull up this the Trojan is, horse meme. Here it comes, you know. Because, <laughs> because when I open up the Trojan horse and everyone inside tells me their pronouns and they're holding a drag queen story hour and they're going to like eliminate the American legal system. I went, what, what just happened? And because here's, here's the, here's the real sign. If you're the way you believe injustice needs to be addressed, real racial injustice as it's existed in history, if that is somehow connected to same-sex marriage, all of these things, we're not addressing, a, we're, you're not addressing injustice the would just to there's another philosophy informing it and maybe it gets one part right that segregation was wrong slavery was american slavery was wrong right okay it got that one part right atheists get one thing right right like mormons get one thing right but that doesn't make it true and all of these groups try and claim the high ground and that's exactly what they do in this shell game mm. is and then that makes it it makes it gross. Yeah. Because when you are now capitalizing on the actual suffering historically and actual yeah. injustice, that's what's actually gross. Um yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Can I just say uh, so um to that to that point, the very fact that she's arguing this way, and I'm gonna take it in the non-cynical way, right? That she sure. actually is not like trying to deceive right so i'm i'm gonna assume that um and i and i that i have no problem assuming that right um despite the english accent and you know my uh, american patriotic streak i will assume that she's not trying to deceive us yeah um if she's not trying to deceive then it means that she has already 
fully accepted this worldview to a point where she literally cannot see what you just said, right? Like she, she is arguing from the standpoint that, that she is simply, she's not playing a shell game. She is simply stating the facts that are a one-to-one, this happened, so now we must repent, right? That's this right. this happened, so now you must feel this way about what's happening in in our current day. And that means that like that there is no question anymore, right? Like she's right. she's operating from that standpoint already. Yeah. I, and I'll just I'll make two other I want to point out two other things and then Pastor Michael, if you have anything else, again, we there are things I again because we're not pausing, I just you know, I've got this burning, I've got this burning and I need, I need to, I need to say these things. Right. So obviously <laughs> she's like, our legal system is currently racist. Okay. That that's a claim. And then what she did is she said, and the American slave trade and segregation, right. look at all these things that happened before. That's right. And then she maybe said, it wasn't you, Matt, but yes, your grandma, exactly. And, and, then and your great grandma. And in case you're about to point out, you are not listing any current legal realities yeah and again this isn't a this isn't a debate on if racism exists my question is of are you pointing out current legal precedents right and and in case right in case you would be so bold as to bring that up then she says and you're going to say you weren't there because what it again the trainer of you're saying our legal system isn't that way because obviously the the point of wokeness is saying or asleep to the fact that they really is there. Yeah. And, and this is the other thing is right. She shot. It's so shocking when you get to this end of like, we need to um, avoid these, um, these neat political categories. Okay. Then why do you get to have a neat political category that this supposedly Christian uh, culture and society is all condemnable? Yeah. Or, or even it's, just, right. Yeah. Just white evangelicals. Yeah. Right. Like white, even like that, that is the category and it's clear. And we all know what that means. You better let other people define wokeness, but white evangelicals, Oh, we know who they are. Uh, but I'm confused because what about those white evangelicals that fought against segregation or fought against the slave trade or like, or right. what about, the, what do we do with that? Should we like trace every family line back? Um, what about those who come from immigrants, you know, after these things, um, just because they share the same skin color, does that mean that they are, are culpable for everything that somebody of that skin color did? Because if you want to go down that road, that's an ugly road. That's right. Right. That's a road where everybody's got blood on their hands. You know, like that's, that is not a road that's going to actually lead to any kind of peace. And obviously that's not the point of wokeness. That's not the point of critical theory. Uh, that's not the point of any of these things. It's not for actual peace, um, which is part of the problem, right? That That is what is needed in the church is an actual peace, right? A true forgiveness between people. And yeah, because you are getting to what the actual gospel actually addresses. Exactly. Everyone has blood on their hands, right? So, okay. So that was the, the opening statements, Pastor Michael, that was about half of this debate. So we're an hour in, we've let them talk for about half the time. We'll see how much further. I think we're going to call this sucker at two hours, no matter how far in, but here we go.
I really want to thank you both for the ways that you defined your terms, you use your terms. We're going to come back to the definition of terms in a little bit because both of you, it seemed to be the heart of both of your arguments. And I think it, it is so for a really good reason. So my question is a little twofold. Do you agree with that statement? And what does it look like if you do yeah. to do that without you being called woke? Yeah. Um, so the first of all, can I just start by not answering your question? Okay. I just want to start, Rebecca, by saying uh, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your ministry, for your writing. I agree so much with what you said up there. And I know that that's the heart of this whole dialogue is to show that. And we're debate over. So, sorry. <laughs> I had to pause state. it. <laughs> I, I had to pause it there, Pastor Michael. I'm yeah. sorry. When we, chose to, when we said, chose to. Sorry, when we chose to begin our first question in the rebuttal with, I was hoping we were going to just like avoid this question like a classical political commentary and I'd get to make like a li funny little comment about that. <laughs> but when we went ahead and threw the debate in our hope in our next moment, <laughs> this week, I, I'm sorry, not good, not good. No, not this good. is, the, we'll see how she responds, but um, isn't it? Isn't it so common that um, this is? She's the, not going to do this for him. Right, you were so right, right about exactly. That's the that's the difference. You have you have the side that wants to win, right? Like you have the side that is like hell bent on we are going to take over, right? We are going to win. Um, we are going to make our gospel the gospel, um, and then you have the side that says a lot of the right things and then says, and we love you guys so much and what love what you're saying. And really you got a lot of good points and it's just, it comes across as extremely weak. We need this perspective. We don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't really on the same team. And there's just a variation of difference, but I felt it as I was listening to you. So I, I just love you and I'm so thankful for you. Uh, now to my disagreements. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm nervous about the language of corporate confession as applied to identity groups. I'm nervous about identity politics in general. I'm nervous about corporate confession language as applied to identity groups like white evangelicals. Uh, I believe in corporate confession, but anytime you kind of extrapolate out from Old Testament Israel, which was a theonomy, right? You know, so they were uh, an ethnic people, uh, a legal people, and a spiritual people. Extrapolate out of that, I get a little nervous, but I can even see it in the context of a local church, which is Pastor why Michael, I very this much is why nuance isn't always right? the like, right answer. Uh, when I think I a local you church should have some, but corporate confession about uh, what white evangelicals have been complicit in is just it's all kind of hazy. On top of that, when when I read the Bible, I don't see a, a lot of language, especially in the New Testament, which maybe this is a biblical theological question that we can come back. So all of that to say, I think there's a sense in which I could agree with Rebecca. And then there's a sense in which I would very much want to push back and disagree with mm -hmm. Rebecca. Well, let me, uh, I'm going to allow you to, to react to that. And I, I, I hear, I think it's Daniel 9, where Daniel's repenting the, of the sin of his forefathers. I'm not sure. I think that's the chapter um, that you're talking about the discontinuity. There's that, a couple of places. Okay. Yeah. In the so, Old so he talks about the discontinuity and how that plays out in the new testament church in the 21st century west how do you react mm. so pastor michael also also poor poor sean um the 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 moderator goes ahead and says let me just point out a scriptural text where 
where corporate <laughs> identity is confessed uh, sinful corporate That's identity. Right. Christ, <laughs> where there uh, is like corporate. Daniel, yeah. Daniel nine. Uh, just just to just to be just to be clear. Um, Man. Well, Pastor Michael, I did a lot of talking after her opening. Um, we need some help. We we need some help. We we need some W's because we did not get one there. Uh-oh. Are you are you asking me a question? I'm, I'm asking you to help. How would you answer this? How would you? What? What? Um, again, so I it, would not. Yeah, I wouldn't start with man. We agree on so like almost everything because um, that's like that's obviously not true, right? Um, right? That is that is obviously not the case. Um, he almost got to where I do think that it could be helpful to push back. Um, where and he could have just started there, um, and even just by asking what, like, in what way um, is, for instance, there a similarity between Daniel repenting of the sins of his forefathers that sent him into exile in Babylon, where he was, at versus um, white evangelicals, like what in like where is the connection, uh, the connection between those two? What is what makes you a white evangelical? Right. Who 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 is a white evangelical? Um, is it just why not white Christians in general? Right. Why? Why did you specify white evangelicals um, and how did you draw that line? Uh, because uh, there may be a place for a kind of corporate confession of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but to make these direct historical remarks, for instance, she made very specific statements about very specific historical events and said, you are culpable if you are a white evangelical for right. deeds. And so I would push it back on her. How? Why? Mm. Like, draw that line. Uh, because right. that, although the emotional appeal is strong, the actual connection between those things is not. Again, unless you want to end up in a, just an endless cycle backward in history where you say, yeah, like, I like, I'm, I am culpable of every sin that's ever taken place, which none of us would say in those terms. Um, but if you want to do that, you can, you can confess, Lord, I am, I am a sinful person. I come from among sinful people. Um, I'm a man of unclean lips. I come from among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen you, right? Like I am perfectly capable of all the sins that have happened in the world. Uh, forgive me, right? Forgive right. me for my iniquity, uh, my inborn sin that I share with everyone else. So anyway, I, that's at least one way that I might push back or or have used that time to push back. I do think that is actually very helpful because asking for the connection, because when you when you're in the like Israel was a theonomy, which, OK, weird, weird way to put that. But right, right. He's trying to say Israel had a very specific kind of connection to others, to those in its in its national borders that I don't necessarily share with everyone. Um, I, again, just like Pastor Michael, I don't necessarily have a problem with a sense of corporate connection if that connection is specifically definable, right? In my, like, we can say that um, with uh, husbands as the head of their home, they they are in a certain sense responsible for the things that happen in their home, right? But I can define that connection in a very specific way. You can show that, right? You can show the covenantal connection uh, in that case. 
Likewise, I don't have a problem with the PCA. Now, again, these things can turn into show votes and just like performative and those that's not good saying when the Presbyterians in America specifically argued that the American form of slavery was God's instituted blessing for both races. It is a perfectly right statement for the PCA to release a statement or any denomination saying that was wrong, unbiblical, um, and to, you know, and to whatever degree the men argued with that, that was a sinful argument, right? There's a specific thing. Exactly. You can draw the line, right? Yes. And Um, and that's not to say, by the way, that you can't ever confess just sin generally in a way, because you know that there are sins that you are in some way connected to that you just, you don't even know about, right? Mm -hmm. And you can pray that God would uncover those things and confess them even without knowing exactly what they are, right? Confess sins, sins that are things that you don't even recognize as sins yet. You can do that. Um, we do that regularly at our church. Uh, but right. to to just assume sins, it, a way to put this is she is the one making the accusation. Um, this is true too. And in, in a lot of these conversations, um, you know, people will say, well, why are you so obsessed with, you know, using this word woke or critical race theory? We, like people like us didn't just start using that. <laughs> right. We didn't come up with that phrase, right? That was something that was shoved in our faces. Um, And in this case too, right? She is the one making the accusation of sin, right? That means that it is her responsibility to make those connections. And when she doesn't do that, that's what you have to push into and say, look, you have not made that connection. All you have said so far is that if you share, like the logic of it, the moral logic is if you share skin color with another person, then you are culpable for that person's sins. Yes. And again, and if you want to go down that road, that is an ugly, ugly road. Ugly road. And this is racial essentialism. That is, you are making, you are dividing the human race based on race in senses that only are divided by original sin. You yeah. cannot argue that the American slave trade is equivalent to my participation in Adam's original sin. That is a 100% unique relationship only mirrored by Christ's righteousness. There is no other sin I participate in or righteousness I participate in that is the same, right? right. And because this is of the- that covenantal connection, right? Like exactly. there is a, there's a line to draw covenantally between you and Adam. Again, let me give one hat tip to um, to Sean before we move on. Uh, the most based thing he said is, I like white evangelicals. I think a thing we don't often give enough uh, consideration to when we talk about this, when we talk about how bad our grandparents were, how bad white evangelicals who let us in VBS are, is we are probably not honoring our mother and father as we should when we basically are like, look at how horrible a society like that they are now the villains in our right. in our debate um so anyways all right i guess she gets a re- chance to respond and away we go i grew up in the uk and we frequently celebrate our victory over the nazis in world war ii and what i what i've learned since moving to america is that you guys sort of see it as your victory <laughs> um and and there's a, a lot of celebration that goes on here 
that appropriate. Yeah, it's our victory. Let me go ahead. <laughs> I mean, just for the record, the it is. <laughs> Those were our people. Like this is our glory. That You're was identifying our with that victory. Identifying with that. We then get very. We have a very different reaction when it comes to saying, "Do you know what sin of degradation? That that's our sin." Would have loved to have heard more in, in what you said, Sean, connecting up to this. At, at minimum, lament. Um, you know, I'm we, there with we, you, sir. We, minimally, I can lament. And and as I've got to know more about history, and this has been a progression for me, um, and as I have talked with more brothers and sisters, um, black brothers and sisters in, the, in this country, the more I've felt their grief about the refusal to either repent or lament, actually, um, that they that they see in in many believers who who look like me um and so i think we're missing an awful lot if we if our first move is to say here's how these conversations about racial justice are happening poorly in the sort of secular world rather than rather than modeling something better here now so what is what is she mentioned lamenting you agreed with yeah so even in in what she just said right so there's so much conflation going on Right. And you have to be careful a little bit to spot it, but okay. How come she doesn't feel guilt for what the Nazis did? How come mm. she's not responsible and should not repent for what the Nazis did? Is it because we just call them Nazis? <laughs> like, like, is that it? So it, it like, if I just yes. call, yes, the answer is the answer <laughs> might be yes. Yeah. But Sorry. Like, but what's it like you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, a uh, place of, you know, mostly fair skinned people, what we would call white, who were uh, at least professed Christianity. So, what, like, why are you not also culpable for their sin? Mm. And by the way, anybody who really gets into this stuff will say, you probably are, right? You are like a Nazi. You are doing the same thing, right? You are a part of the, the Nazi colonialist Western system. That's what they will say, right? And, and so I, I just, uh, again, we ju we'll just keep pointing it out, I'm sure. But like you have to draw that line somehow. And the way to draw it is biblically. It's the way to draw it is covenantally. Mm -hmm. Now, when she says, you know, at least we should lament. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know anybody who doesn't, right? I, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I, admittedly, I think this is changing. I do think that there are legitimate, uh, there is legitimate like racial hatred and racial pride that is growing even yes. within Christian circles in large part as a reaction against this kind of stuff, right? I, I don't think that it started. I, I never saw it anywhere um, until this stuff started to really poke at people, right? Really push into them and say, you know, you really don't get it. You have to hate your grandma. You have to hate your grandpa. You have to hate your grandparents. Why Lament don't you hate white them? skin? Lament right? your white skin. You have to hate who you are. You have to hate yourself. Why don't you hate yourself more? And then it's like, well, if you, like, if that's the option, I guess I just, I'm going to be for, who you're saying are my people, right? Um, so that is the natural reaction. But like on a general level, of course, people 
are fine lamenting. But what she means by lament, like don't mistake this. Right. She, like you already heard what she means by repent and gospel, right? What, what she means by believe, right? When she's talking about lament, she's not talking about Christian lamentation of evil in the world or of suffering in the world or weeping with those who weep. She might sound like she is, but she's not, right? She is talking about something much more specific that can really only be done if you accept her worldview first. Yes. And now I want to, I do want to explain how, um, wh- one way you might be your connection to celebrating the victory of World War II might be different than your, uh, feeling uncomfortable discussing your participation in, um, 1960s segregation. Um, but yeah, no, there, this is again, and I just want to point out the, uh, the moderator, the TGC moderator s- ended her comment he he ended sean's comment with yeah just like in daniel 6 when you know he laments all the sins of his forefathers he says yeah sean just like you just said you agreed with her on this that's how he ended it <laughs> i so, know this of course i feel so that, again, that I, is good faith i feel and we knew from the beginning that's what I they know. meant by good faith we I knew and that's so. why they frame every one of these questions in the way that they do we know there's a political agenda we know yeah. that they're trying to push a certain direction and they, yeah, and they think, and again, do I think it's because there's uh, George Soros money and COVID bucks all behind it? That's not really, I think, maybe I get, we, that can be on a Patreon conspiracy corner another time. But the question, the, what I actually think is going on is they think this is, they're, they're trying to reach people. And we, they, we need to hear Christians saying this to reach people. Yeah. Why but, would anybody write the forward to woke church? Right. right? Why exactly. would a conservative Presbyterian minister write something Godly like in that? many ways. Yeah. Why, why, why is that? It, with. it is to, it's for the children, right? That's it's right. for, I always think, by the way, whenever I'd say that line, I think of a scene from, from uh, Horton Hears a Who, if you've seen the animated movie version of that. Where, mm-hmm. <laughs> where the the uh, bad guy character says something like, you know, uh, he's he's trying to take the children, and somebody, you know, this monkey just cries out, "Not the children!" <laughs> and I just I can't not think of it every time. So, so let me explain how you might um, you might relate differently to your celebration of of the winning of World War II and your um, feeling uncomfortable about 1960s American segregation. Here's the reason. Because you identify if you are an American or the UK or probably even most of the world at this point, you identify with them because you recognize that to whatever like this is why like World War Two movies where you see like, man, there was segregation in the army, but they were able to overcome it in the fact that they realized there was this really bad thing they needed to join together to oppose. So you feel a connection to them because they condemned an evil a real evil that existed and did what it took to put it down so you are celebrating that they condemned an evil and opposed it and right you are not connecting with them in that as pastor michael said you're just white you're not that's not what makes you feel good about it that you're white but that you that there's there was a group that condemned evil and opposed it the reason you don't feel the same way about segregation is you want to condemn that evil and you want to celebrate the people who opposed it 
right? And you're told that no, but you actually participate. You are actually a participant in that evil, right? That there is a difference in your own moral appraising, which right. has which is different, right? Are and I just, all you know? For are all Germans today? Are yes. they all responsible right now for what the Nazis did? Right. Are they like? Should we think of them? the same way that we thought of Nazis should they every day repent of that that's like that's a legitimate question that I would like somebody like her to answer right so all right so let's let's go on to lamenting so I guess we're going to hear some about this I feel like I'm having conversations nice. with some Christians nice. to the left of me where I'm like eh, that's not helpful don't say that you don't know where that comes from and then I'm having conversations with people who are conservative to the right of me who uh, they're just entirely ignorant of so many different things, and they're kind of cold and calloused, and they just His kind of repeat the Fox the News bylines. And I'm, I'm like, well, hey, you should always, actually read this book. And right. like, you should be really sad about these Sometimes bad things that right. happened in our backyard. And right. I want to ask kind of twofold again. Do you agree with that statement? Is, it, is that a thing that happens? Um, and do you agree that it's happening specific areas of uh, the things that he seems to be most concerned about in areas of gender identities, um, uh, same-sex marriage, things like that? Um, yes, I, I do think it's happening. But I think it is happening while we are failing to do what we should have already been doing. So when I um, think about the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, uh, that slogan and that, and that very specific organization is, is mixing together all sorts of things. Uh, and, you know, one, one of the claims of that organization is that um, if, you, if you want to affirm the Black Lives Matter, you must also affirm same-sex marriage and transgender identities. This is all grouped up together. And, and you'll see that coming from a, a number of different uh, sort of academic angles. What breaks my heart is a, that that should have been our call. Hmm we should have been the people saying that black lives matter. And instead, it's, it's, it's our sin, and I'm sorry to go back to, well, I'm not sorry to go back to this because I, I think it's true. It, it's actually the history of, of the church's sin that has got us here in the first place. You know, we all, we all look at the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and think, you know, what an amazing guy. We all want to, you know, celebrate. We would have all been on his side. We all want to celebrate what, what he was saying. And I think as Christians, we want to recognize that the civil rights movement was at heart like a Christian movement. I think there are helpful and unhelpful ways in which ivory tower conversations can trickle down, for sure. And, and I think we see some particularly unhelpful ways in which they're trickling down when it comes to transgender identities right now. But what, what I fear is that our, our, our knee-jerk reaction, our first response is to say, we've got to keep all of this out of the church, when in fact, we should have been leading those conversations in the church all right so that's her answer his answer was what's the difference between repenting and lamenting and her answer we will get to is very interesting um um we will it is it is it is uh uh it is very interesting so uh he wants to differentiate between lamenting and repenting and says while i have not found the perfect middle yet man is he trying he is going to try. <laughs> He's working on it. He is going to get there. Um, it does bug me anytime. And we all do. I've done this. I know we course. all do it. 
but we all take that like position. Like, I've got these guys on this side. I've got those guys on this side. And here I am just doing the right thing. You know, like there's the conservatives, there's the liberals, not me. I'm right in the middle. Every, literally every single person says that everyone. everyone. So, so it means nothing at this point. That means nothing to me. And there is a time whether I, I mean, we're, we're closing in on this is the time in this debate. The apostles did not say, man, those, the Gnostics, the Judaizers, you know, they're on one side and, you know, I'd hate to just be viewed as just totally opposed to them. No, no. There is a time where it's time to say like, you know, I don't, and what people want to do, why do they want to assume the middle? They want to do it because they want to say, I don't accept all the things labeling me as are true, right? I don't accept that because I oppose you, I have to take the most extreme opposite position. Right. To oppose wokeness, I don't have to deny racial injustice. Of course you don't. And of course you don't want to because no one should want to embrace untruth. Though, as right. Pastor Michael said, that's becoming an attractive option, unfortunately, to some. But yeah, no, this this is, again, it's a, it's a rhetorical trick and it is weak. Um, it is a weak rhetorical trick. Um, so, Pastor Michael, do you what a think, bummer? What, <laughs> what a bummer! So, so the ivory tower, those, so these things are trickling down. By the way, and it is bad they're trickling down. But I have to say, there's one thing I need to add to this argument. But since the church should have been saying these things before, now actually we probably have put ourselves in a position where we do actually have to listen and learn from the ivory tower because we weren't saying it loudly. Right. Yeah. So there's, uh -oh. yeah, man, there's so much, again, so much back and forth, uh, that, that you would say basically, well, the church should have been culture warriors, right? right? The church should have been culture warriors. They weren't. And so now you shouldn't be. That's the, like, if you follow it, that is the logic that she's using. Um, we should have said something we didn't. And now that there's, I mean, she agreed that there are false things that are trickling down. Um, so that is a kind of that, like, that is something that should be spoken out against. You would think right. she says, no, actually, no, we probably shouldn't speak right. out against those things. And she brings up, obviously she brings up two examples and it looks like in the chapter breakdown there, we'll come back to uh, BLM and she brings up Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Let me just let me just say, like, you're right. She's like, well, the church was not very quick to get on board. And then she lists and they said things like to if you're really with us, you'll be for same sex marriage and transgender rights. You have just completely defined why people felt torn about getting on board. Yeah, that is <laughs> it's that's why that is why that that was why like it wasn't. Yeah. And, and even if people didn't know that. The other reason people felt that way, and this is, again, part of the strength of his beginning, was inherently untrustworthy people to Christians and their Christian worldview were the ones saying it. And they went, man, it feels like I, I should take six seconds of discernment and wonder why this thing that would seem so unobjectionable is is being touted this way. Um, th and then they learned, oh, it's because they tied a complete um right marxist 
right? All of these very clearly anti-biblical worldviews along with what is a completely unobjectionable statement, right? That yeah. That is, that's why. That's the answer to that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the other, clearly. Yeah. The other question, of course, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. is, again, right, at this point, um, he does not fit with the terms of critical race theory, right? Um, and again, what a fascinating character who had faults. Um, and it, the, again, this is neither the time. We I don't have time to go through it, but he had faults. But again, what do I celebrate about him? Oh, is that he said, I want to live in a world where my children are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the mm -hmm. content of their character. Right. And that whatever degree he had faults or not, that is a incredibly positive statement. And we should look back that the idea that that would have been radical at any point as like, oh, wow, things needed to change if that was not possible. Yeah. Also, that is not where we are today. That is no longer again. That is not the perspective today. Yep. It's not it's not the argument at all. It's interesting if you go back and, and listen to some of the speeches and how even, you know, in some of the most famous speeches from Martin Luther King Jr., you will find things that today will be directly objected to by the woke, right? By by those who, you know, uh, have these new ideas of what is a kind of often a, you know, a kind of racial supremacy or racial superiority um, just going the other way, right? Anti, anti-racism, so-called, right. right? This, and I mean, this, this is, is right. That is the idea of, of no, like the only way that we can, we can solve uh, this, these in inequities of the past is to now uh, just change them, right? Just make them flow the other direction. Um, that's the idea today. That's not what you hear anyway, when you, when you hear, um, for instance, the, I have a dream speech. And this is the actual value of history that people in history actually don't fit in our neat categories. Yeah. Right. This is like what's and you actually, can ask, Hey, why is that? Why, like, yes. why, why don't they fit neatly in those categories? Right. Um, and why that would be really helpful for you. Why don't the, why don't the Southern Presbyterians get the the fact that they're saying such such objectionable things why like it would be a mistake for christians to say well oh yeah the civil rights movement that was just just the like christians and christians doing the christian thing to do like no you they don't fit into that category and they don't right. fit into the modern progressive category and and thinking they are that, a third way there's this is the right third way matt the right Ooh, third I way like is is not He's your team or the other team, but looking at through history and understanding, no, they were just their own kinds of people with their own problems, their own sins um, that maybe we can see more readily from where we're standing, but also from where they're standing, they can point out our sins more clearly as well. Yes. That's, that's, that's gold. Clip it. And I think instead we're often ending up using our critiques of what's happening outside the church instead of maybe trickling into the church to sort of justify not having those conversations in a proper way within the church. So she brings up in, in broaching Black Lives Matter. I mean, in, in the past couple of years, that has been, um, uh, the whole topic has been a polarizing issue in many local churches. Um, those who embrace the term Black Lives Matter uh, that often had the term woke attached to them. So I'm curious in your local context, how does what she is saying land on you in terms of uh, 
both what the the term means, you know, differentiating it, it from the organization, but also that the church should have been the first one to do that. Yeah. So you kind of asked like three questions. I, I kind of did. I'm sorry. Sneaky moderator. <laughs> Sneaky uh, let moderator. Let me try my best. Thank you, Sean. Based, Sean. First, you're yes, right. As friend. far as Christians using the phrase Black Lives Matter and then being called woke, uh, I was actually living in D.C. when all that kind of exploded and, and having conversations around dinner tables and small groups and after church. And what I realized is that everyone was kind of trying to figure out what was happening in real time, which is really dangerous because everyone has social media. So they're external processing on the internet and you external process one way and somebody throws this label on you and external process the other way. And it's just all bad. It, less <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram conversations, more private conversations would probably go a long way. So I remember sitting at my dinner table on the hill with uh, an African-American sister who said something like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, it's great. And I just, that day, looked on their website and the destruction of the nuclear family and gay and lesbian. I think it was right around the same time where they came out and said like, yeah, we're trained Marxists. And I told her this and she was like, what, what are you talking about? No, this is just about Black Lives. And so she didn't know that. I had just, by God's providence, happened to look at it. And so we had a little back and forth there. Uh, and I'm just really glad that that happened in my living room and not on Twitter, because in Twitter, she would have called me a white supremacist. I would have called her woke and we would have gotten nowhere. But by the end of the night, I think we were actually uh, better informed. So uh, now, having said that, I think we're kind of down the line a place now where we should. To be fair to Sean, I do not think he probably would have called someone woke on Twitter. We should be able to say, uh, I believe that Black Lives Matter. And then in the very same breath say, but I do not in any way support this organization or what it stands for. Uh, in large part what it right. stands for. I, I can support a sliver of what it stands for if you define it in a very particular way. Um, and then what was the other part of the question? <laughs> okay, so they're about to move on, but let me just go ahead and say, and that is the power of how that slogan is used. Yep. That, um, that reasonable people like Sean Morris have to say things like, yep, totally 100% on board with Black Lives Matter, except for the organization that uses the name and is organizing things in your city. That is and, a- and Shouldn't that show you too that like, you know, whether you like it or not, when you delve into these things, you are in the midst of a propaganda war. Right. Right. You're not in the midst of a, hey, let's have a serious conversation in my living room. That's just not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. And you can do that and that's great, right? Obviously we try to do that with actual friends and neighbors, uh, but most people, like this is a public conversation, right? We're not, this is not simply an individual's deal. Um, and so to, to try to say, for instance, what was, was said by McLaughlin a little bit ago that actually, you know, the church really, needs to be more careful about how we've done wrong about this and basically say, well, we shouldn't necessarily be leading this public conversation anymore because we really messed up. Uh, we really messed up big. Um, that cuts you out from it. Uh, but the, the nature of this public conversation is not one of careful defined terms. Right. It's just and not. I and, and so you might not be able to play the card where you say, look, I've carefully defined all my terms, right? Because nobody, nobody cares, right? The lines have been drawn. Are you like, are you willing to accept uh, that transgenders are, have just as, you know, 
much right to that bathroom as you do or not. Right. Like that's you. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody I, wanted that to be a line. Nobody. Right. nobody right. I also think it is just fascinating that, right, this this video was dropped about 11 months ago. This conversation, like the conversations regarding woke uh, issues and how it applies, we are not even in the same universe of issues. Isn't that wild? I right. was thinking nobody, the same thing when we started. Nobody is like the the difficulty of because, again, I do think the 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 beauty of time passing is I do think pretty much everyone in the church came and I thank we can thank the Lord Jesus Christ that he holds the church together, that it was kind of like in the end, it was like, oh, yeah, I guess we all agreed that violence against people based on the color of their sin was wrong. And we all agreed on that. And that that was a political and propaganda agenda going on at that point. Wow. Right. Like, it's so good that like that just kind of happened right like that that we don't and again right this is where this is the like the the you know this is the this is the hope right this is the hope of of things um but anyways we better keep going here when you look at those when you hear those terms used is that something the church should throw out altogether or are there throw out as in use or throw away throw away the whole um everything encompassed in crt and intersectionality or, or do you find helpful uh, things here? Okay, so Pastor Michael, I'd like to uh, plead for poor Sean Morris. That is no doubt a loaded question. Should we throw <laughs> out everything? Just, just you know, everything. Everyone who's ever. Or I mean, a, what, right? What about the helpful parts? It's just a teaching tool, right? It's just yeah. a teach. It's just a teaching tool. That's what you'll hear the, all the time, right? Or as the Southern Baptists, you know, they were once known for saying that helpful analytical tool. Right, the helpful analytical tool. That's right. <laughs> Let's find out. In the, yeah. the, um, the academic study and application of CRT or intersectionality. Yeah, so first, let, let me just um, make a quick point of clarification. I find it very common that when we talk about wokeness or critical theory, which I sort of use synonymously, uh, that we call, we always end up talking about CRT and inter intersectionality, but CRT is just one manifestation of wokeness. Critical theory is a totalizing worldview, and it's it's fundamentally cynical. It wants to look at all power structures, and it can do that. And, and anyway, so what it tries to do is it tries to do it through the lens of every point on the intersectional spectrum. So you have various manifestations. You have critical race theory. You take out the race; it's just critical theory. You have critical education theory, that's critical pedagogy. You have critical queer studies. You can just kind of apply it to all, all get an various answer, sundry things, okay? So uh, the question is, do I find any point of critical theory useful for the church? And I think the answer to that is kind of, don't all heresies and bad ideas have a germ of truth in them? You know, mein uh, Kampf, which you, you can't read because <laughs> it's banned. Hitler says one or two true things in there, you know? Uh, I, I'm not going to drink a, a bucket of water. How do you know? How do you know? I would absolutely love for the moderator, which he won't, because this would be the most low blow in the world to be like, will you explain the points at which you are? <laughs> Give us some points that you agreed Kampf. with in yeah. Hitler's Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You shouldn't no, have done it, man. Don't bring it up. It's not, you're not wrong about the point you're trying to make. 
but you shouldn't have said it. You still shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Can I just say, like, I I see what he's doing. Again, we we brought this up earlier, right? There's always a point of agreement. The way to answer this question, by the way, is give it the answer. Here's how, again, you know, bold me. I don't, I don't know. Here's how I would have done it. I don't know if it's better or worse. I would have said no. <laughs> the end. And I would have made them ask me for something. I would have, like, I would have made, I would have required the point of, like, them to say, well, what about this helpful example? Yep. Right? If I say, no, I don't think so. And they go, are you sure? I go, yes, I'm sure. And they go, well, what about the helpful example? And I'd go, provide me one. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, if this is the nature of that's such a good tactic with the nature of these kind of propaganda pieces, right? This this kind of and by the way, I don't think they're putting this out tr like again, cynically trying to be propagandist for some particular party or some particular movement or something like that. It's just most of us, the way that we've been trained to think and talk is in terms of propaganda. And to push into that in a way that I think would actually be rhetorically helpful is kind of what you're saying. Like you don't, you don't give ground. You make them give ground, yeah. right? That's how you interact and communicate in this kind of a setting. You make yeah. them give the ground rather than like, because what they're doing is they're saying, but don't you want to come this way a little bit? Right. I've and the minute that you do that, you like, they win, right? Like you, yes. that side wins. This you have thank you. You have just helpfully explained why my primary apologetics tactic is ask someone, what do you mean by that? Where did you learn that? How do you know that? Yep. Like that that is like 90% of what I end think up think about how often this is how Jesus responds to people. Why is that? Have you ever wondered why that is? It's because they were all trying to get him to fall for their propaganda, mm -hmm. right? Like to fall for their framing of the conversation. And instead, he would just play his own game because he gets to, because he made you. <laughs> so, but that's a like that's a legitimate rhetorical tactic that in this kind of a setting would be really helpful. So, so Pastor Michael, we have about and, and a not good rhetorical tactic is to defend parts of Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe the worst rhetorical tactic ever known to man. My main thing that I say to people when they say, well, doesn't CRT make some good points? I would just say, I can make those same points without all the destructive stuff that comes along with CRT or with this or that other aspect of critical theory. Again, there's the short answer. If you need to be a longer TGC kind of answer, whatever insights it has, it is, does not have uniquely the end, right? Yeah, That's well said. So one of the things I'm, I was already wanting to talk about this, but hearing you two argue, coming back to defining terms. I remember, I probably first became aware of the term woke maybe five or six years ago when it was, I would have defined it the way that you defined it. I was be, talking about becoming awake to social injustices. Sean's def, a bunch of failed Marxists trying to bring Hegelian dialect back to life by fusing it with Freudian psychology, Gramscian philosophy, postmodern epistemology, black feminism, and intersectionality. How do you interact with that definition? And how do we as a church move forward when, again, credit to both of you, you're trying, you're defining terms, which a lot of people aren't doing. 
How do we move forward from here? And what do you? By the way, I I I would agree with her term. Of (laughs) course, he already did her definition. (laughs) And her and I I we will. I'm gonna. I'll give her credit. She may literally say no one interacts with that definition that he gave, like because (laughs) nobody does. Nobody does, right? Um, yeah. I think again, this the question here is when he talks about like I heard you guys argue. We are not arguing. There is not arguing happening here we do not live in a time where people like to argue unless your name is james white like people don't want to argue um and and so right there is right there's actually no it's interesting you don't actually allow them to do any back and forth right that the back and forth is purely through um jim davis's uh questions now again this is some of his questions haven't seemed on point this is a good question right when you're in a debate and you both say, hey, we don't define the terms at all the same, right? Asking about that is, of course, a logical question, right? Even though he said my definition was, you know, one side. One side. This is, you point out, though, this whole way of communicating is inherently flawed. Not to say that debates can't potentially be useful, uh, but like what they're doing, it, if this were a legitimate, you know, three hour debate, opening statement, opening statement, you know, response, response, uh, time of cro- actual cross examination, those sorts of things that can be helpful in its own way. What's going on here, which is typical of almost any kind of political debate that you'll find anywhere, is there is not a real conversation going on. There's not enough time for it. There's not enough interaction for it. Um, it is all it is it is all set up for sound bites and quips. And if your whole goal is to bring people together, this actually has no way of doing that. You do with that definition. I think what I what I was trying to say was there are different definitions of this term, and in order to talk meaningfully, we need to know which one we're using in any given conversation. And I gave as an example what I understand to be the sort of origin of that term, which seems to me to be, broadly speaking, an extremely valid um, lament and um, mark of awareness of, of, of what's been going on. It's the realization that changing the laws doesn't necessarily change people's hearts and behavior. We shouldn't be surprised by that as Christians. Actually, we should think, yeah, we, we expected that. Observe that, oh gosh, you know, we changed a law here, but actually we didn't suddenly magic away the horrific racial prejudice that people have been raised on over generations. I mean, if, if your grandparents took your parents to watch lynchings as like Sunday afternoon fun, you're not suddenly going to wake up one day and say, well, the laws change. So, so now I, I see black brothers and sisters as, wow. uh, you know, just like me. My, my grandparents did not do and that, so by the way. I think we need to reckon with that, that history. And again, that history. Which I've is never even history. heard a testimony of um, that. And we need to reckon with the fact that, yes, there have been things that have been sort of built on that, that have taken, that have gone in, in very different directions than, um, any of us who, who believe the scriptures w- would want to go. Wow. Pastor Michael. Yeah. Um, again, so much. The word I'm just going to keep using is conflation, right? Like mm. just conflating things. Um, and actually what I was thinking while she was talking most 
and this is a question I always have whenever somebody talks about this, right? She's gone on at length about how all of these people that said that they were Christians were following the scripture. They still took part in and allowed for culturally so much evil in, you know, whether it be segregation or some of these other things that happened. And yeah. then the answer to what they did is we need to change now mm. on that same issue, which, you know, sounds a little bit like, well, then are, are we like, are we doing the exact same things, right? Yeah. Is the same exact problem still at work? But it, I think it does raise a really good question. Um, it's not the question that she asked. And it's almost never the question that people in her position ask, right? I was at uh, the, you know, uh, the PCA's General Assembly several years ago, and I went to a presentation uh, by a group of historians all connected to the PCA in some way, all about, um, you know, just different bits of history of the, you know, the interaction of, of the church in America and, you know, racism or segregation or, or, you know, protesting racism or things like that. And, you know, at one point, several of them did this, but particularly this one woman went on about how like these people were so blind to the sins of their own time, right? They were so blind to, to these things. And then that the answer was always, and that's why we shouldn't be blind to those same things. So we need to change today. We must be doing the same exact thing. And my question to this is always, and I tried to ask this question, but they ran out of time. They, they almost called on me and then they said, oh, we're out of time. And so I was bummed. But my question would just be, how come we can see it so clearly, right? How come we can see it so clearly? And if we can see it so clearly, like you, you seem to say, like you do anyway, um, then do you think maybe there are, and this is the interesting question, do you think maybe there are sins that we don't see clearly mm. that we're all like that. We are all, all of us culpable for right now um, that in the future, they're going to look back on in 50, 60, a hundred years and, and say, wow, I can't believe they didn't do anything. I can't believe they didn't speak out. I can't believe they, they just went along with so much of this. Right. Um, it just seems like so much looking backward and saying, yeah, we're in the exact same place, but I don't know anybody who's going out to lynchings. Yes. You know? It, yeah. I, I do think it is a... Right, because part of her point is, no, this is so recent. We You can't act like this is just a thing. You know, like, we're not talking about, like, what Attila the Hun did, right? We're talking about things... We're getting close to the end, but things that would still... Some of the things could still be in living memory like on a on a society-wide scale right. right we're getting close to the end of that um but that would potentially still exist um man i you know i agree that those things are still impacting us today clearly mm -hmm. the reason this is why this is a relevant conversation yep but two why don't why doesn't the the perhaps the other side in this debate why aren't they getting having to lament the the mutilation of the bodies of children, abortion, death with dignity, a.k.a. euthanasia. 
those things are happening today, right? And it seems to be a strange move to talk about the the sins of yesterday and as important, relevant, the thing you need to be considering and the sins of, you know, oh, you know, these things are, of course, they're bad, but you can't let that confuse the fact that we need to be ready to condemn these things in the past. Right. That's weird. Two, it's very interesting when we actually think about how laws affect things. That is a something we are not going to get into in our last like two minutes of this live stream. <laughs> but when I think about it, like I don't think anyone who uh, fought the civil rights movement thought when we change the laws, you know what, there won't be a racist left in this country. You know, and when we celebrated the ending of Roe v. Wade and the Supreme Court's um, um, statement on abortion, no, did we think, of course, no one will ever support this again. I don't think anyone thought that. What they, I know they thought is we finally got rid of this unjust, um, this unjust precedent, this unjust law, this unjust system, right? Whatever we're talking about off the books, it's off the books. Also, can we be honest though, a generation later, most people think at least the kind of segregation that happened that um, brought on the civil rights movement is an unimaginable injustice. Right. That law did have some effect. Now, it didn't purge. It didn't change human nature. The law can't do that. The law can show you your sin. The law can show you God's ways. But it obviously didn't, you know, it, it didn't change it. But but there is an interplay. It does affect us. Hmm. right in certain ways yeah. and that are important um but and this direct interplay is obviously a is a is a somewhat complicated is a comp the relationship i i'm simply saying the relationship is more complicated than just a you know a the law well the fact that you change the law what does that really matter well it matters a lot in a yep. certain it didn't save anyone that we changed the law it didn't change the fact of uh, injustice is done in the past. Um, it right. The God, Jesus Christ changes hearts. Of course, a law change doesn't, but we do recognize God uses means. God prepares people through different, different things like that. Right. Terms definition change. Like when, is there something that you can pinpoint was like this, this is the season. This is the thing. The it, term woke. The term woke. When did the definition I mean, change? I That's honestly, I'm not sure I would even presume to do that. I think there are many people today who would use that term in its original meaning and frankly think that somebody like me didn't have any right to uh, tell them they should or shouldn't be using yeah. it in that way. Well, let me ask you the same question. When we use the term in the church, what, what rules should we abide by? What norms should we by have? By the way, when to, yeah. so we the use the term the in the church. The way we use it are helpful and not weaponized. Yeah, so two things. One, I would be perfectly content if we just stopped using it. <laughs> it's become politicized, weaponized, it, most recently after the Michael Brown incident in Ferguson, and it kind of came back to life, particularly as it was popularized by uh, a Black Lives Matter. So uh, I just want to be clear that if someone says, like, I'm, I, I would, like, I hear Rebecca say, 
uh, we shouldn't try to silence our black brothers and sisters uh, and tell them they shouldn't, they shouldn't use that word. Well, I don't want to silence them, but I do want to make sure that if you use this word that you understand that it actually doesn't come from where you may necessarily think it comes from. All right. So we're going to stop it there because the next thing they will be getting to are the right wing claims. Ooh. So <laughs> scary. That's for yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're claims, right? They're wild claims that people make. Oh yep. So here's here's the deal. Why is he asking this question? When did the, when Rebecca? When did the definition change? Like, why was it okay for me to be like, I'm a woke guy? Ligon Duncan's writing the the forward to this book, and now everyone's like, nope, nope, nope. We're not doing that anymore. He wants to know when did that? When did we lose the term? Hmm. Right? We we the the an entire group of people happily embrace this term and now nobody wants to own it and yeah. now here in 2023 i don't hear anyone describe anything this that way anymore some of these book sales have gone down quite a bit uh is there is there what happened <laughs> it's gone yeah yeah and so he's asking that question um and again right yeah i mean we're we're talking about we're talking about a fad like this is just a there's a it's a was a popular way to speak about something at one point in time and it no longer is yeah. and i don't hear anybody talk about things using that specific term right even honestly even going back you know i'm thinking six seven years ago the most kind of extreme progressive people that I knew hated that people were using that term because right. they're the kind of people that, you know, anytime someone else starts doing, you know, actually uh, trying to act like them and follow them, well, they're not doing it the right way. Right. This is a classic, you know, classic problem within, within Marxist uh, societies or organizations. Is there always, everybody's always trying to one up each other and, and, right. you know, uh, it just falls apart, but, but anyway, I like I I'm I can think of specific examples where people just like despise others for using the word woke. Yeah, you're really woke, but but you're not doing what I'm doing, right? Like the 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 really intense uh, progressives, the ones who were really fighting for you know uh, racial justice or whatever. Like they they didn't like people using that term uh, because it was just like the the way that white liberals, you know, got away with just the status quo or whatever, um, which, you know, of course, <laughs> if that were true, you know, it kind of kind of passed from the revolutionaries to just the status quo white liberals. And of course, where does it end up next in these kind of circles within Christendom? Right. right? <laughs> I mean, this, this, those who want to be elite adjacent and like they want some of that, they're like, that's where the term then ends up. But it's already passed. It's long passed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, and this is why, like, when we talk about, like, well, you're, you had um, black brothers and sisters in Christ who'd use this to describe, like, their awareness of racial injustice in their own life and in history. The answer is that was a popular way to speak about things. Right. Like, so I don't actually have to impugn anyone's motives. Right. But what it, what it teaches me is, this label is used all kinds of things and all, most of them are bad, right? And I don't have to impugn any, like I don't have to impugn the, their motives like in using it, but but right. What tells me there was something strange is the moment we 
like we started saying that sounds woke this is woke what do you you know uh, like using it like using the label and asking people if it fit them it is striking that people began to flee from it hmm. right that is what i think is striking and what's striking about it is that that's the case especially given the fact that she she used these she cast this in gospel terms mm. right this is this is the ultimate concern that this has been so that this has so appropriated the language in her presentation the language of the gospel and has been so and has and this has happened so much that's the concern yeah right not with a particular fad right that you know has come and gone clearly by the time we're recording this video right absolutely yeah why won't that's a great question to start bringing things to a close is why won't they just defend it right right because let's use the the right wing the right wing like right now there's on twitter and all these people and maybe we will do something there's a everyone's fighting about if christian nationalist is good bad evil worse or like yep. getting worse by the day but do you know what the people who like that view do defend it and defend the title and say i'm that and they defend it now it's possible they could eventually lose the debate to a sufficient point they would no longer want the, the title or defend it anymore yeah um and that would be fine mm -hmm. right that would mark it as has been a, has been a, been a fan but but that that is what's going It is exciting. Thank you. Please subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, if this is on the podcast, yeah, like, share it everywhere. I have to go. I have a kid who woke up. So God bless everybody. We will uh, we will release the rest of this later. See ya. Good night, everyone. We are going to keep going through the good faith debates. And That's our right. patrons are going to be able to vote on which good faith debate we, we do next.